Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. We are in a series over the summer called Summer Psalms and I, I reckon that sitting in the Psalms over this season is, it, I think it's been really valuable. You know, one of the things I love about the Psalms is that they're songs. They're songs that were written uh, for the people of Israel. And if you know anything about songwriting, I I, um, do a bit of songwriting and uh, I I love music as well. But songs often emerge from deep emotions. You know, they come from places of angst and pain and joy and celebration. And the Psalms and the songwriters like David and the sons of Korah and Asaph and others are, are writing from deep emotion. And particularly when you go through uh, those deep emotional times, whether you're feeling sad or, you know, depressed or joyful or happy, you know, you kind of find you've got those songs that you go to. Do you you have those songs that you kind of go, if you're feeling a certain kind of emotion, you just go to that track or that album? Anyone? Come on, just show me some hands. You've got your songs for different moments in your life. Well, the Psalms are like that. They connect with our emotions. And, uh, And more than that, they're actually filled with rich theology exploring and unpacking who we are and who God is and how that intersects. And um, I think it's incredibly rich. And I think it's important and, and rich for us in this season as we walk through a bit of a season again of uncertainty. Sitting in the Psalms, I think, certainly for me, just fills me again with a sense of, of hope and certainty in the midst of uncertainty. And We're going to be jumping into a psalm, a well-known psalm tonight. And uh, as I was preparing this week, I felt God lead me to this psalm. I feel there's a word for us tonight in it, and it's Psalm 84. So if you've got your Bibles with you, why don't you turn to Psalm 84 in your digital device, your paper Bible. The words will be on the screen behind me as well, uh, if you want to read along as well. Psalm 84, and it's written by the sons of Korah. And this is how it goes. Let's read together. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. You know, you don't set out on a journey 
without having a destination in mind, do you? You don't jump in the car or go for a walk unless you've got a destination in mind. And the greater or the more exciting the destination, the greater the anticipation and the excitement to get to the destination. Like holidays, who looks forward to going on holidays, going on trips somewhere? You know, we all get excited about getting to that time when we get to go away, we get to go on that journey on holiday, wherever that might be. I remember uh, about 15 years ago, I was um, studying in London and um, I was in my final year of theology and two of my brothers decided to come over in the summer, uh, which was July, uh, over there to do a three-week trip around Europe. And I've got to say that that the excitement and the anticipation got me through my finals. You know, I was so excited. If I wasn't studying, I was in a map. I was planning out the journey. I was mapping out every destination that we would go to. It was super exciting just planning the whole thing. I think sometimes just planning a road trip and a holiday is just as exciting as actually going on the holidays. Anyone agree? Maybe just two or three nerds. Uh, I loved it. It was so exciting. In fact, I was, we were talking about it just a couple of weeks ago. I was talking with my brothers about it, and we were just reminiscing on all the crazy things we did and the cool things we did as we tracked around Europe. It was a wonderful experience. If there, but if there's one thing greater than actually going away on a trip, it's coming back. You know, come on, finish the sentence with me. There is no place like home. There's no place like home. And as wonderful as it is to go away, at some point, you want to come home. You know, we were away uh, just a, a couple of, uh, for a couple of weeks um, recently, and, uh, and we had a great time away with the family, but even our kids who'd had an amazing time at the beach said to us, I think we're ready to come home. We want to come home. And, you know, when we go away for, you know, for an extended period of time, particularly, maybe you go away for work or I know some of you are away for study. And so this is real for you, Um, whether you go away on holidays or whatever it is, as good as it might be, there is always this deep longing to come home, to come home to what is familiar, to come home to those who know you well. There is no place like home. And this psalm is a psalm that talks about coming home. It's about coming home. But as the sons of Korah write this psalm, this song, they're they're writing from deep places and you kind of get that feeling that there is a desperation, a longing to come home. But it's not just a superficial coming home. It's something far deeper. It's a soul call. It's It's something that goes deep into their hearts. And I think it calls deep into our hearts as well. See, Our hearts, our souls have a home too. We're created as spiritual beings to have a home. And as we see here in Psalm 84, as it is for the writers, the sons of Korah, and so it is for us too, there is a home that is found in the presence of God. The presence of God. We see in verses 3 
that there is a place, there is a home. And, and, and the, the writers use this analogy of sparrows and birds having nests. They have a home, but, but there's a longing to be, uh, have a place near your altar. Verse 1 and 4 says this, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. Blessed are those, verse 4 says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. They're writing about this destination, this deep longing to be in the place where God is, to be in the presence of God. That is where our home is. Our heart, our soul longs to be is designed to be, is to be created to be in the presence of God. That is, as Augustine says, is the place where we find our rest. It's where we find our rest. There's a big question I want to ask us tonight. Big idea that I want to ask us tonight is this. If home is where the heart is, what home is your heart set on? If home is where the heart is, what home is your heart set on? Is it the presence of God or is it the presence of something else? See, we all desperately pursue something or someone. And so easily in the journey of life, we get distracted or we get discouraged and we find ourselves looking to other places to give us comfort, to give us meaning, to give us hope. And the, the, the sons of Korah here write with a desperation because their heart is set on a greater home where the presence of God dwells. They write with desperation, verse 2, they say, My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. That is where our home is. And we need to remind ourselves afresh of the destination. We need to keep reminding ourselves of the destination if we are to last the journey. That's why gathering here in this place is so important because we're reminding each other of home. We're reminding ourselves of what it means to be in the presence of God. We remind ourselves and cheer one another on along the journey. Hey, keep your eyes up. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep walking the journey. You may be tired. You may may be distracted. You may be discouraged, but keep going. That's why finding yourself in life groups is important. That's why reading your Bible and walking with God is important because you are reminding yourself along the journey of where home is. If home is where the heart is, what home is your heart set on? There's a couple of things that we, make, we can make an observation from this psalm that I just want to encourage you with really quickly as we all encourage one another on the journey. See, a worthwhile journey, like the journey that we're on towards home, will have its trials. We see this in verse 5 to 7 in this psalm. A worthwhile journey will have its trials. You know, any significant journey that is worthwhile will have its challenges and its trials. You know, any triumph that you have in life, anything that you do that is significant will be a challenge. 
You know, whether it's you and you've started out in a university degree and, you, and there's exams and there's assignments and you're, chat, you, you, you're confronting your fears, you know, you've got all these expectations, there are challenges in your study. It might be a physical challenge. It might be, you know, for those of you who enjoy sport, it might be sporting challenges. If you, if you step out and start a business, there's going to be challenges with that. There might be personal goals that you have. Whenever they are significant, whenever they are big, they will always be met with challenges and trials. And that's the same with our journey home. And the sons of Korah acknowledge that, that, that on the journey home, on the journey to the presence of God, there's challenges. In verse 5, we, we read, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of strings. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. So, yeah, so we see that the journey is actually a pilgrimage. And if you know anything about a pilgrimage, it's not just like I left this morning and I got there by lunchtime. And a pilgrimage takes months. It may take years. It's a long journey that has its trials and its challenges. And the sons of Korah say that you pa they pass through the Valley of Baca. What's the Valley of Baca? Well, Baca is a word for balsam trees. And balsam trees live in dry places, in deserts, in wilderness. They're saying the journey will take you through the wilderness. The journey will take you through the desert. We will experience on the journey significant trial and challenge, but these are vital to our faith. They're so important to our faith. Why? Because they develop our character and they develop our faith. I want to just point out two things that happens when we walk through trials. Firstly, when we walk through resistance, when we walk through trials on the journey, our desire for home is revealed. Or in other words, when we walk through trial, our heart is revealed. What we long for is revealed. Let me give you an example. And this goes deep into, into uh, the people of Israel and the psyche of the people of Israel. The Exodus account. And, and, it, and we see this, uh, the people of Israel are taken, you know the story, are taken out of Egypt. They're led out of Egypt by Moses and they head towards the promised land. They are, they are given a promise. Now that journey should have only taken 40 days. It, it ended up taking 40 years. That whole narrative, that story of Exodus is something that sits very deeply within uh, the people of Israel to this day. It sits deep within the heart, the heart of, of our Christian understanding, this, this story of journey and walking through wilderness. The tragedy for the people of Israel is that they left Egypt, they came up against wilderness, all of a sudden they started to get thirsty and they got hungry and they grumbled and they moaned and they wanted to go back. What happened is they confronted trial and, and challenge well, their, their, their desire for home was revealed and their home was back in Egypt. Began to say to themselves, oh, just weren't the onions and the leeks and the, wasn't the food just amazing back in Egypt? Totally forget the fact that they were slaves, beaten, downtrodden, lost their whole identity. As soon as they came up against trial, home was revealed in their hearts. 
Now, what's really sad is all but just a handful of people ended up making the promised land 40 years later. Almost every person who left Egypt didn't make it to the promised land because home was not in their heart. It wasn't in their heart. See, when we walk through trial, when we walk through the wilderness place, our home is truly revealed. Now, I recognize and understand that for all of us in different ways, we'll be walking through different seasons. Some of you right now may be walking through a trial. It may be personal. It might be physical. It might be financial. It might be relational. It might be spiritual. And you're going through a season of wilderness, of trial. And I want to say to you and invite you into a place of asking the question, where is my hope? Where is my home? As you walk through these hard times, where are you locating your trust and your hope? Who are you looking to? What are you looking to to give you that sense of meaning, purpose, and identity? I also want to encourage you to say that it's a gift. Trial and challenge is a gift. Because the second thing that happens when we confront trial is that our strength is built. Now, we, we know that, that as we walk the journey and we come up against resistance, if we're willing to walk through it, then we will be strengthened. In fact, the, the psalm says this in verse 7, they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. When we walk through trial, when we walk through challenge, when we walk through resistance, if we're able to walk through it, if we're able to, to, to meet it head on, then we will be strengthened. You know, anybody who's done any gym work or any exercise, you know this, right? We build muscles through resistance work. That's how we grow. That's how we're strengthened. So if you're walking through a trial right now, if you're walking through a season of hardness or wilderness, See it as an opportunity to grow from strength to strength. Keep your eyes and your heart fixed on the presence of God. Keep your eyes and your heart fixed on home. See this season of your journey as a gift. You know, as C.S. Lewis says, he famously says in his book, The Problem of Pain, he says, pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God uses the journey. He uses the struggle in the journey to strengthen us, to strengthen our faith and to strengthen our resolve for home. A worthwhile journey will mean trial. But secondly, a worthwhile journey will take time. There's trial and there's time. And this is a huge challenge for us. As I look out in our time, in our Western secular culture, if there's one thing that we don't like, and that is waiting. We don't like taking time. You know, we've grown up with digital devices where at the, at the tap of a button, we can have our food delivered to us in 30 minutes. We can catch an Uber. We can go wherever we want. There are so many things that, that are designed to serve us instantly. And so we've been conditioned and formed in deep and profound ways that mean that we desire things instantly. 
We have been shaped and formed to have instantly. And so when we have to go on a pilgrimage, when we can't just have something that's in the, if we can't just grab it and have it for ourselves now, it's frustrating. To actually wait to develop patience is a discipline that goes against everything that shapes us. You know, I reckon this COVID time has been deeply challenging for many of us because it has taken time. Now, I remember, just cast your eyes back to two years ago. It was just over two years ago when this whole COVID thing came out. You know, I remember that, that, that we went into lockdown and then the, the conversations that we were having was, you know, they'll have a vaccine by September. And, and once they get, they'll get the vaccine out and we will be good. I mean, we were thinking, September, are you kidding? It's like March now. That's six months away. That's forever. But I get, if we have to wait that long, but come on, let's get this vaccination. Let's get on with it. Six months, we can do this, everyone. It's two years. <laughs> and we're still not quite sure what it's all going to look like. It's deeply challenged us because we like to have everything sorted straight away. But I think in this journey, it's actually taught us something. It's developed our patience. See, time and waiting leads to patience. It gives space for revelation. It gives space for transformation. It gives space for renewal. All the things that you cannot expedite. All those things you can't speed up. All those things that you just can't flick your finger and go, now I'm changed. See, deep, inner, lasting transformation takes time. Paul writes in Romans chapter five this, he says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. We also glory in our trials. Just stop for a moment there. You say to, say to our culture today, hey guys, we need to glory in our sufferings. Like man, just embrace the suffering. You know, our world says, no, do not embrace the suffering that goes against our utopian vision of happiness. You know, we're told it's you just you got to be happy. If you're not happy, then something is wrong with you. You know, I'm trying to recondition our kids who love watching Disney films. You know, I did this last night and I got told off for it, but I don't know what one it was, but it was one of those, every, you know, everything ends happily ever after. And I said, hey, kids, just so you know, it's not like that. You know, in reality, that person just died. <laughs> that is very rare for that to happen. It's not happily ever after most of the time. Just want to give you a reality check. Now, I know that Megan told me off of that. I said, Andrew, just let the kids enjoy the movie. I said, no, I, I, need, I can't let them be formed and shaped by the movies of this world. <laughs> it's a narrative we've been told. It's all about you. It's all about your happiness. Paul says, glory in your sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope and hope does not put us to shame. See, when we learn to walk a journey in time, when we're patient, 
we get a new perspective, not only of ourselves, but we get a perspective of God and we get a perspective on time. And these psalm writers, the sons of Korah, had a completely different perspective on time. They write, better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your presence, God, than a thousand in this world. Better is one day with you than a thousand in this world. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And here's the thing. When we get, like the sons of Korah had, when we get an eternal understanding of time, it changes our view of time. We have a totally different understanding of the temporal time that we, ha- we are living in now. now. God has a completely different view of time. He is eternal. He is outside of time and space. And the invitation for us as the sons of Korah understand is that when we're in his presence and that is the promise for all of eternity, then, then time is, is a completely different concept. The now that we walk through, the suffering and the pain and the journey and the waiting is just a mere drop in the bucket in comparison to all of eternity. And when we get that understanding, people, changes everything. It's not all about now. We don't have to jam in all pleasure, all pursuit of happiness within 60, 70, 80 years. We don't. We have got all of eternity in home to enjoy everything. As I said to the kids the other day, we were talking about heaven. We are talking about one of our kids banged their knee. And I said, you know what? In heaven, there will be no crying. There will be no pain. There will be no insecurity. There will be no fear. All the things that we grapple with now are gone in eternity. See, when we get that understanding, it changes how we live now. And God understands that, but God also understands that this time is important. You know, sometimes I I ask the question, God, why, why did it take so long to get to Jesus? I mean, if we know the, understand the whole, whole story of the Christian, of the human, the human life, you know, we read that, that humanity has rejected God. We see in Genesis, Adam and Eve, the first parents reject God and they're separated from him, separated from his presence. They're cast out of his presence. And then we continue to read and God comes and he makes covenant with Abraham and says, okay, Abraham, I'm choosing you to be a blessing to all nations and, and you're going to be the father of Israel and, and, and I'm going to choose you as my covenant people and we're going to do a journey. And then we watch and we see Israel just fall flat on their face over you know, 2,000 years or so. You know, I wonder, God, why do you do that? Why didn't instead of coming to Abraham, you just at that point go, Right, that's it. I know what's going to happen. going to send Jesus there and Jesus is going to do his thing and then we can just get on with everything. Does anybody else think that? You know, why did it take so long for Jesus to come down? I'll tell you why. Because it takes time for God to reveal his character to us. In fact, it takes time for our characters 
to be revealed. The reason that God has done what he has done is because he's wanted to reveal to us his love for us. It takes time for character to be revealed. That God has been faithful to his people. God has been faithful to his covenant, even though we have been unfaithful. And over the history of time, God has shown time and time again that he is a covenantal God who loves radically. He loves us radically. It takes time for God to reveal who he is to us in order that we may respond. You know, in the New Testament, in in, in Greek language, there's two understandings of time, or there's two words for time. There's chronos and there's kairos. Chronos time being, you know, time as we know it. And kairos time being that moment where God steps in. There's a transformation moment. And we see both in the New Testament, but we see these kairos moments where God steps into people's lives and he reveals himself. There's a transformation moment. And we long for those moments as well. I'm sure that for many of you, you've had a kairos moment where your eyes have been opened. You've had a revelation. You've seen God. God's done something profound in your life. But here's the thing. You can't have kairos moments unless you have chronos time. See, chronos time enables kairos moments to take place. And God in his economy and in his own time chooses to reveal himself when he does in the journey. But here's the thing. As we walk through time, as we experience trials, it's then that God reveals himself to us. See, trials over time grows trust. Trials over time grows trust. And trust is the foundation of deep, meaningful, significant, dwelling relationship. We know this, right? We know this in in, in relationships. You know, I, I know in my own marriage that my journey with Megan over time, we've been married for 12 years and we've walked through trials, but it's time and trial together that has grown trust in our relationship. I love reading war history and I've been diving into some biographies and autobiographies over the holidays. And it's really striking that, that those who, who fought, and I've been reading particularly around the, the Second World War, those who went out early with their buddies in their platoon, within their group, within their, you know, their foxhole, those small group of, of, of soldiers... As they journeyed together through horrific circumstances, throughout the course of time and trial, over, over time, those relationships are incredibly tight. Trust grows at a profound rate. To the point that where reserves and replacements come in, they just can't relate to them because they haven't done the journey. See, time and trial grows trust. And that's the same with our relationship with God. As we journey with God, as He walks alongside us, as we fix our eyes on Him, as we take those steps through the hard times, 
Something grows in us. We have these kairos moments in the chronos of time. We experience God in profound ways as our heart remains faithful to Him. As we keep our eyes fixed on home, God strengthens us. He carries us and He fills us. And here's the good news for all of us because as we do the journey over time, we will experience trial. The good news is is that God is with us every step of the way, whether you feel it tonight, whether you know it, or whether you don't. God is with you. That is His promise. The wonderful news of the Gospel, if, if, if you are here and you've got questions, you're on a journey God's heart has always been to dwell with us, even though we have rejected Him. Jesus stepped down from heaven to earth to dwell amongst us. God made Himself human flesh and walked on the earth, Jesus Christ. He dwelt among us and ultimately He went and He died for us in order that we may come back to Him. Jesus died in our place for our sin, our brokenness and our shame. He died so that the separation between humanity and God could be bridged. God made a way so that we could dwell with Him. God's heart has always been to dwell with you. His impulse has always been to be in relationship with you. Jesus rose again three days after dying, defeating defeating sin and death and ensuring that we can know the presence of God through the power of His Holy Spirit. And so when we walk this journey, we're not alone. We have the Holy Spirit with us, testifying with us, cheering us on. The Greek word is paraclete, which is the great encourager. The Spirit encourages us, fills us with courage to walk the journey. We are not alone. We have God with us, walking alongside us, encouraging us, speaking to us, energising us, filling us. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And Paul writes it. In a few chapters later in Romans, Romans chapter 8, one of the great passages of Scripture, Paul writes about the nature and the work of the Holy Spirit and how it testifies to our spirit. In Romans 8, verses 14 to 17, Paul writes, For those who are led by the Spirit of God, those who have home in their heart, their desire for God in their heart, their desire for the presence of God, those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, invited to be in the home. Children of God, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. The Spirit is at work in our hearts, testifying that we are part of His family. We're in the home. 
we're in the home. The Spirit assures and seals in our hearts that we are in the home. That is the journey that we're on. Tonight, I'd I'd love for us to be refreshed by the Holy Spirit again. I wonder whether there's a whole bunch of us tonight who just need to hear the voice of the Spirit again, testifying with our spirit that we are His children, that that He is with us, that, that He loves us, that He is for us, that He is carrying us to encourage us on the journey, no matter what we are walking through. Now, I wonder whether some of you here tonight in the journey, maybe you've been a Christian years and years and years, maybe you're a recent Christian and you are weary, you are tired, maybe you are discouraged, maybe you're distracted and you found yourself looking to other places to give you hope. You're looking to other homes. And tonight God is gently calling you back reminding you again of your first love, what He has called you to do. In a moment, I'm just going to invite us to sit and just do some business with God. Firstly, just to bring to Him your story, your journey. And then secondly, to receive His presence and His Spirit again. So I wonder whether just as PJ plays behind us, we can just take a moment right now. Maybe just to still our hearts. I invite you just to close your eyes. Just become aware of the Holy Spirit. God is gentle, He is kind, and He is good. And just in this place, to allow your heart, maybe your fears, maybe your insecurities, maybe your own shame, maybe your own weariness, whatever's going on in your life, Right now, lift it up to God. Now I'd love for you just to just invite the Spirit to come and speak to you again. God speaks to us in different ways. I recognize that. God speaks to some in worship, um, maybe more profoundly than reading God's Word. For others, it is reading God's Word. For others, it's getting a voice or a picture. But just in this place right now, just invite you to say, God, come and speak to me. Remind me of who you are. I reckon that there, there is a calling home afresh, a fresh vision that God is wanting to place in people's hearts, fresh courage that the Spirit is wanting to speak. Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit and fill us. Come Holy Spirit, fill us. Come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. 
Father, I thank you that you never leave us. You never forsake us. And for those who are walking through a challenging season right now, Holy Spirit, will you just pour out your grace and your power upon them. May they know your presence. God, may each of us be reminded that we are your children, that we have been chosen, that we have been adopted, that we have been called into your home. And God, I pray that you'll be giving us a fresh new perspective this evening. Lord God, where there has been distraction, where there has been discouragement, God, will you lift our eyes afresh? Will you give us afresh an eternal perspective? God, so that we may live and walk with hope and with joy in our hearts and our eyes. God, fill us, lift us, anoint us, call us and strengthen us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know. 